Hello and welcome to Podcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Giles Gale, Head of European Rate Strategy, and I'm joined today by our global market specialists, Jan Navruzzi and Ross Walker. So, Jan, I think we'll start with you in the US because we have just had the CPI release. It so often happens that uh, big, important events coincide with Bondcast. Um, maybe you can just take us through that a little bit um, and uh, your takeaways. Yeah, sure. It, it sure happens that we record Bondcast right after the CPI. Uh, but this time, I think I had enough time to digest it. And uh, I should say there really isn't a clear answer and like, yes, it was very good or no, it was very bad. Uh, there are certainly good components within the CPI. I think I saw a few more silver linings than uh, kind of like the first uh, impression that I'm getting from either market reaction or, uh, you know, like the online sphere. But, uh, you know, so the headline component fell uh, for the month by uh, 0.1. Uh, core was up by 0.3. And, um, you know, the, a large portion, of course, of the, the headline is influenced by uh, food and energy prices. Uh, energy particularly was a uh, was a significant drag. Uh, a couple of the key things that I think in this report I should point out and, and what supported the, the strength in core uh, was a largely, uh, and in fact, a pickup in, in shelter and, and rent. Uh, both of those components increased by 0.8%, uh, which is a little bit stronger than last month and kind of closer to like their like their highs during this uh, this cycle, but I am not too worried about the the shelter part. For one, we've already heard from uh, Powell that he prefers to look at a measure that excludes that component. It's well understood that uh, rental and generally shelter measurements in, in inflation lag the spot market data. Uh, and uh, we will see a deceleration. Those numbers will come down because alternative uh, rent trackers and housing trackers have started sh uh, showing uh, significant signs of weakness. So that will happen. It's just a matter of when, and it, not, it might not necessarily reflect what uh, consumers are paying today. Uh, second, something else that supported the strength was uh, the medical, medical care component. After falling for a few months in a row, uh, and this is one of the things that we've discussed in previous podcasts, uh, where the measurement resets kind of lead to a almost like a year-long drag to the to the medical component. Uh, this month we had a volatile uh, hospital uh, expenses sec section that uh, pushed the index higher. So over the past few months that uh, we didn't have enough data. Now we have collect well the BLS didn't have enough data. Now they've collected enough data and. Uh, uh, that whole volatile component pushed the index a little bit higher while dragging the previous months a little bit uh, lower, you know, when you kind of like apply it retroactively. Uh, and, you know, what, what does that mean? The rebound in services was a little bit stronger than we expect, particularly the Medicare care part. Uh, but on the other hand, you have the goods uh, within inflation. So like the you know, core goods, I should say, uh, core goods prices keep falling. They're down 0.3% a month. So, uh, you know, the whole shift from goods into services that has been uh, kind of like the theme for the second half of the year as fully materialized. And in fact, we're seeing deflation in, uh, in, uh, in used, you know, not just used car price, but like generally uh, goods prices. Uh, so, you know, the headline number, we have deflation in the economy. Okay, um, so if we cut through 
that detail, I guess, to what we really care about, which is yeah. uh, Fed. <laughs> uh, how, does, how does that leave you thinking about the, the upcoming Fed meeting? Is that um, you know, more 25? I mean, I know that's where you were. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, that's what happens when we have about a, an hour gap between inflation and CPI. I can start brushing up on what exactly medical care, medical care was it that dragged it down and probably 99% of the people just fast forward at that point but for the fed we had 25 basis points for the february meeting uh so this report specifically doesn't scream go in either direction but it certainly allows the fed to lean into the market pricing which was going more and more towards 25 basis points uh so it sure looks like that will be the case we had uh, from the fed already two officials coming out saying they prefer the 25 basis point path we had a, a timiros article just in the journal now as i was about to walk into this room that kind of alluded that the fed you know this inflation report allows the fed to uh tee up in, uh, a 25 a quarter point hike in february so if the market gives it to you i think the fed will take it and uh, it, it seems to fit with how we see the rate path evolving as well. Uh, we expect uh, another 25, you know, like a step down to 25 base point for the next uh, two meetings after that as well, uh, which should bring us kind of like the range that the Fed had targeted five, five and a quarter eventually and kind of pausing there uh, for some time. So, uh, you know, overall, it's all but confirmed that the Fed might step down. We have a little bit more data coming into the month, but I don't think anything will be this substantial uh, to kind of like alter the path from here onward. Right. I mean, so I suppose that going into the number today, there was quite a lot of kind of everything up euphoria. Um, you know, and it might have been viewed, I suppose, as a little bit of a preemption of a, of a, of a better number, an even better number today, uh, which clearly you know, we didn't necessarily get. Um, but it sounds, listening to you, like you know, this is really just you know, your views tracking. Um, you know, does it change anything about how you feel about the Treasury market at the moment? Um, now, I guess it'll set the, the, the tone for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so... It, you know, like one of the themes that we talked about in for 2023 was this uh, re-steepening of the treasury curve and eventually lower yields. Uh, I should say, further out the curve, think 10-year or 30-year point, uh, they did, uh, the yields came down much faster than we uh, thought. You know, the path obviously to towards lower yields is never very straightforward, but this uh, this rally over the past weeks has been really, uh, really amazing and, uh, you know, it, it does it does feel a little bit too fast where we are particularly kind of that part of the curve. So uh, we still expect some steepening, but that could come a little bit from like upward pressure yields in the in the long run. But uh, that being said, that is just like very short termist kind of like tactical thinking. Over the more medium term, we still uh, you know we've changed our inflation path to show uh, a lower number throughout the year. So like we've actually improved our outlook on inflation. Uh, and by improved, I mean expect lower inflation. So we're not really in a rush to kind of chase uh, yields and say, well, actually they're going to retrace here, they're going to bounce back up. So, uh, you know, we are kind of like, I guess I should say, reasserting our uh, bullish view and kind of don't want to say, well, faded here, it's probably going to go up. We do look for steeper curves with most so on Fed, uh, so pricing out of future hikes rather than 
uh, kind of like a bear steepening of the curve. So look for five thirty steepeners are still in play. Even anything past like the three year point should be uh, we think susceptible to rallies. And today was a day where the three year outperformed, and uh, we kind of expect that trend to uh, to continue into later part of the year. So uh, I think that's probably enough for the U.S. And uh, I'll spin that right back into you. And uh, I finished off with the rally, so maybe you can pick up for Europe. The rally does continue and. Uh, how does that affect your views from uh, across the pond for us? Well, you know, obviously we have been wrong about it uh, so far this year. Um, I think, you know, one of the key points that we have to accept is that, you know, I mean, clearly, clearly inflation sentiment is really what matters. And that has been in the driving seat in Europe as well. Um, you know, the indications have been better, both um, in the hard data. So we've had some uh, some lower CPI figures in, in Europe as well. Uh, of course, remember that came out uh, last week, you know, just as we came back. Um, and that's that, that, that's really sort of forming, forming sentiment. Um, you know, I think, that has been in uh, the face of a lot of supply pressure. I guess we can come back to that. But now, I think for me, one of the main things just to, to consider is that you know, lower inflation, um, you know, particularly driven by energy prices, you know, it's all it all kind of feeds a narrative of. Uh, of, of economy bullishness as well, and so you know, I think that you know, I mean, we you know what, what one of the other uh, important pieces of data was, for example, the um, the, the European IP, and you know, it seems like recession. You know, if it if if we are in recession, well, it's a very you know, it's it's a very mild one. Possibly, it will be uh, quite a short-lived one. Uh, maybe we've avoided it uh, altogether um you know so and th then i think you know whilst that you know this lower inflation sort of softer landing narrative you know, it's ought to feed a bit more of a sort of softer path assumption for the ecb no, I still think that it leaves open this possibility that we have uh, sort of follow-on rate hikes later this year, and I also think that it undermines, you know, one of the the key sort of bullish arguments for for longer-term forwards, which was that central banks were going to crash the economy, and therefore, you know, everybody would be scrambling for duration uh, before too long. So overall, you know, I don't see it as especially bullish um, fixed income. And I certainly don't really subscribe to this bullish flattening that we've been seeing. So you mentioned uh, bond supply, but lower energy prices also impact the need for uh, bond supply and the pressure from that. Uh, I don't know, what do you think about you know, the, the relationship between that energy price, drop in energy prices and uh, pressure due to supply? Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's been a question that we've been asked probably, and I've, I've, I've frankly lost count of the number of times uh, this week, you know, because I think, you know, given the, the strength of the rally, people are, are questioning the, their assumptions, you know, the assumptions with which they started the year, naturally enough. Um, and one of them was that we were going to be overwhelmed by supply. And of course, you know, lower energy, it's lower inflation, but, you know, a, a large part of the, uh, the fiscal effort next year is going to be about uh, energy subsidies. Um, 
Honestly, I think actually, you know, you learn more in a sense from the fact that people are so worried about asking this question than you do when you when you hear the answer, because you know, we've, we haven't had really the, the time. And I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I don't know who would have the time to do a proper um, kind of bottom up analysis of all of this other than you know, an analyst perhaps at the, uh, the the commission or something like that. So we went and looked at their assessment um, from the, the draft budget uh, reports and, and so on. And, and, and basically the, you know, you might be surprised to know that the, the total fiscal effort you know, behind um, energy support measures next year or this year I should say is is actually projected to be a little bit lower than last year um, in part because you know, a lot of countries had not really budgeted for a full year of support which you know I think markets might reasonably have questioned but the base the base case really if I just get down to brass tacks here is that it might mean around 60 billion. Now that's you know with a lot of uncertainty that's the sort of middle of our range um for, for, so our base case about 60 billion less supply so that you know if you, if you want to put that in the context i mean we've been talking about a supply shock in the sense of total investment grade bond sales this year um to be absorbed by the market compared to last year of about 700 billion that's the figure that i would have used in in, in bond cast towards the end of last year you know maybe it's tracking closer to 600 billion now um but that's still a pretty big shock i would say so no i don't think that the theme is the wrong one still um and around that you know, i think that there are you know, not only uncertainties about the way that you come up with this kind of number but also you know there are other uncertainties around the execution and, and risks for example you know how confident are we that um, the energy quotes will stay so low um, will the ecb take advantage like the risk of um of market disruption around supply is uh, is somewhat lower you know maybe governments to some extent sort of re repurpose the effort that they budgeted for fiscal support around energy um to you know, trying to, to to bring forward some of their energy transition plans you know things like that so you know i i do think that there is you know <laughs> so much uncertainty that you know really we shouldn't get too hung up on um you know what in the scheme of things is not a huge number i would say yeah that make that all makes sense and uh, i guess this is a consistent theme in how we're uh, conducting bondcast but i should ask with the lower inflationary pressures uh what does that leave where does that leave your uh, view on the ecb yeah i mean i can i can answer that pretty quickly um no we still think 50 then 25 then 25 Yesterday, there was a market news piece out, um, which honestly, I don't think, you know, we should be putting all that much weight on, but, um, you know, did get a little bit of attention just because, you know, it was, you know, I mean, sometimes you know, these things kind of capture the market mood, I suppose, um, which suggested that maybe the ECB will, you know, should be more open to to twenty five and in February. Listen, I mean that that would be pretty against the guidance that uh, that we heard, of course, in that very hawkish December uh, ECB meeting, and you know, also frankly against a lot of the guidance that we've we've had since. But you know, we've had 
uh, notably when they started this cycle with uh, the 50 basis points and then 75 basis points, you know, they have gone against their uh, their fairly strong guidance in the recent past. So, you know, I don't, I don't think we should rule this out, but you know, for us, it's still pretty strong uh, base case, 50 basis points. But then you know, in March, I think that the markets are still um, you know, too skewed towards 50. I, I think that we may well see a slowdown there as QT um, takes, uh, takes on the baton. I guess when the facts change, so does the guidance to paraphrase <laughs> say. But, uh, and finally, ECB had uh, published an economic bulletin today. So uh, anything interesting if you managed to already skim through the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, skim through, I suppose. I mean, listen, there was a, a box on, on wages that was moderately interesting uh, that was actually pre-released um, earlier this week. And you know, that actually you know, seemed relatively sanguine, although you know, there was a you know, clearly, you know, clearly an editorial effort um, to sort of insert something that was a little bit more hawkish and on message um, right at the end. But you know, overall, the, the message on, on wages was actually um, you know, a little, you know, I, I would say, reasonably sanguine. And then um, there was a box on uh, re reviewing the, the PEPP. And um, while I haven't had time to go through that in in any real detail there's a quite nice chart if anyone wants to pull that up of the their estimate of the total impact on two five ten year bonds um, due to APP and PEPP. it's quite interesting to see that um, you know, they seem to be suggesting that if it weren't for you know, all the, the, the total effect of, uh, of all those programs, uh, they seem to think that we might be at 10 year bonds where you know, sort of 360 at that sort of level. So, um, yeah, worth just keeping in mind. Anyway, that's it from me. Um, Ross, it's over to you now. Um, key data next week, um, particularly inflation, uh, which you, I believe, think is going to edge down. And but no, on the other hand, we've got wage inflation still still rising. Um, now perhaps you could just give us the, uh, the details and <laughs> all of that. Yes. Um, well, obviously, you know, very important US CPI numbers this week. And I, I guess that will reinforce an expectation that the UK numbers come lower as well. Though I think it's worth bearing in mind the UK is lagging the US um, maybe by sort of three to four months in this process, um, partly just the, the, the general cyclical position of the economy, but also the nature of the, the regulated domestic energy prices in the UK tends to delay the um, the, the, the pace, the, the speed with which those wholesale price developments speed through. But um, yeah, we think another fall, uh, for, these are data for November. So headline CPI to tick down to 10.5 from 10.7. At this stage, it's mainly an auto fuel story. We've seen about a 5% decline in forecourt prices. Um, I guess the risks for the headline number are probably though to the upside for these numbers, simply because food price inflation um, has still been rising quite sharply. And some of the surveys, uh, for example, the BRC data showed in December, uh, quite a sharp pickup in, in food price inflation. Nevertheless, as we move into data for 2023, particularly in the spring, you run into very powerful base effects. Overlay that with the, um, the moves in, in wholesale gas prices that we're seeing, that will probably factor in more in the second half of 2023, but it will obviously push headline rates 
down relatively sharply this year. The core is, is a little bit more complicated. Um, I would say some of the early retail sales data and retailer reporting over Christmas, um, nominal spend looks to have held up relatively well. Obviously, that's in large part a reflection of, of high spot inflation. But it does feel like you know, we may have a little bit of near-term stickiness in the core. We have it stable at 6.3. I, I always think December is, unless we're in a, a sort of full-blown crisis, it's never the obvious point for a lot of the retail sector to be engaging in aggressive price discounting. So it may be another month or two um, before we start to see the core coming down a little bit more decisively. Okay. Um... Well, very clear. And so how do you think that the MPC is going to be balancing this then? Well, I, I think the interesting thing is, I mean, the MPC, when you look at the common, when you look at the data, the actual data outturns, and even the MPC's commentary around the data, um, it's not obvious that anything has really changed that dramatically since the back end of, of last year. Yet, in, in terms of the actual data outturns, yet the MPC the commentary is becoming a little bit more dovish, or at least markets are interpreting it that way. And, and thus far, there's been no pushback whatsoever from, from policymakers. Um, you know, I think if you, you take that sort of Hugh Pill speech last week, there was some hawkish content. You know, he talked again about the MPC is still on the lookout for evidence of persistent inflation. Um, they may still need to act forcefully there's still labor market tightness, et cetera, et cetera. But what really seems to drive markets and get the sort of media attention around this are the comments that, well, maybe the labor market's now turning, some of the more forward-looking data, some of the hiring difficulty indices are starting to ease. Um, and so maybe there is a sense that, and this has been one of the complications with UK monetary policy, there is such a, an extended lag at the moment between bank rate policy rises and those rate rises reaching the real economy, particularly through the mortgage market channel, which is still the most powerful single transmission channel for the UK. Um, it's hard to know when, when they've delivered enough. We feel, and we felt, the thing that's guided our relatively dovish view on the BRE has been that even today, in terms of the mortgage market, maybe only about a quarter of the 2022 bank rate rises have actually reached mortgage borrowers. So the bulk of this tightening that has been announced um, is still to work its way through. And so it, it's difficult to be overly definitive about whether they've delivered enough tightening. But um, I think there is a sense that, that they are becoming more cautious. And it was interesting this week, the, 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 the Financial Conduct Authority um, was warning about rising potential stress arrears, payment arrears uh, in, in the mortgage market. So we saw the BOE tread a little bit more carefully after the the Liz Truss quasi Kwarteng mini budget. Um, you know, I think all of this is reinforcing this notion that um, we're probably not too far away from the uh, the peak in rates. <laughs> so maybe I can just get you to boil that down to a punchline for us. When and where then for this peak in rates? Four and a quarter March. That that can size enough. Like I don't think I can do it in fewer words than that. So. Um, we still think 50 in February, um, though the market, I mean, that's we've got about 41, 42 basis points priced. So um, that, that sort of half point expectation around February is getting diluted a little. 
we, we stick with 50, a final quarter point rise in March. It may come a little bit later, perhaps May, the next quarterly forecast round, but it feels like they're not going to have to go a lot higher than that, at least for now. Okay, thanks very much, Ross. Well, okay then, folks, that's all we have time for today. Um, thank you all for listening. I do hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Boncast. Just make sure that you hit subscribe so that you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available and hit the like button so it's easier for others to find. Thank you.